Welcome back to Silver Lake TV. I'm John Papa, and today we've got a guest, Peter Smith. Thank you. How you doing? Pretty good. So you work on the light switch team, right? I do not work on the light switch team. I not work on Silver Light. Oh, Silver Light. And I do Silver Light networking. And you do, oh, you know why I get you confused? Because you do sockets, sockets, light switch, Silver Light. You got the light, the sockets together. Not okay. all sockets are the same. Not all sockets. So I you're not talking about plugs and socket wrenches. I am not. I'm, I'm talking about the ability to, for programs to communicate with the server. Programs to communicate with the server and the server to communicate back with. Absolutely. Programs. Sockets are both very simple and very complicated. Mm -hmm. Deep down a socket, and, and here's an example. I've, I've got this laptop here, and it's running a program. This is a Silverlight program doing socket communications going up to a server. The server told it to display the picture. Okay. It's the sockets that let me send bytes from my laptop up to the server mm -hmm. and from the server back to the laptop. Right. Which is kind of just like HTTP. I mean, just like you do a get or a post to get data from your HTTP so server. So this could be great for something like a stock quote system for like some big brokers, for example, to tell you to instant updates Absolutely. for stock quotes. Absolutely. IM chats. We always hear about IM <laughs> chats with sockets. It's the canonical socket example. Or gaming. Or gaming, which is, which is what this is. And, and so, so we have you running the game on your laptop over there. Yes, this awesome desktop equivalent 300-pound laptop I brought with me. Yes, yes. And, and so what we're going to see here is, so the game that's it's displaying a picture and it's telling you to find hats. And so I'm not going to touch my computer, but okay. you're going to find some hats on here and okay. you're going to get some points. So when I, I'm, I'm hooked up to the same game you are, everybody can see your screen is being projected here That's on right. screen capture. Nobody can see my screen. I'm going to go and find a hat, which I have such great eyesight. I'm going to think that's a hat. Yes, that is cool. a hat. And you got some points for it, 10 Ooh. points. I thought that was my age. Yeah, okay, no, cool. But no, you, no. there's another hat too, and I'm going to get that hat. Yeah, why don't you get the hat? I'm going to get I that don't hat. See there's it. the other hat. And I see it shows up here. That actually looks like her head to me, but I'll take your word for that one. And so, so cool. what you can see is that you clicked on yours, it showed up on mine very quickly. Right. And with very low server resources. So if I click on, let's do this again. If I click on new down here, no one else has seen this because it's That's my right. own laptop. I click new. And now, it's changed. Whole picture changes, yeah. and I've got to look for hats again. Well, yes, it, 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 it's, it's hat focused. Now, if I click on like the lady instead, nothing's happening. I'll even make the visible noise here as I break uh, my friend's laptop. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's just how I wrote the game. But that, the whole point here, again, I know it's overly simplistic, is that I'm communicating, my, my client app in Silverlight is communicating with the server. That's right. That server is some service that's running in the back end somewhere in the somewhere. cloud. It's, it's, yes, it's actually <laughs> on my desk. It's actually true. <laughs> yes, it's in your cubicle. <laughs> and then uh, that communicates back up to your laptop instantly. Right. And back and forth. And back and forth and back and forth. Exactly. And this could be seven computers or It can 100. fit as many people as, as can fit in the little, in the little dialog box. That's there. right. As many yeah. people can fit inside that little yeah. list box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's this little green thing down here all about? So something that I, I don't just work in Silverlight networking. I work in actually core networking in mm -hmm. Windows. And something we, we notice a lot is that people seem to think that all computers are desktop computers on an Ethernet cable and you always have connectivity. We're always connected, aren't we? Well, it turns out now. <laughs> it turns out people take their laptops and they close them and they go home. Yeah. And then they're switched from Ethernet to Wi-Fi and a totally different network. And a lot of programs just freak out. And it's actually mm -hmm. not the programmer f program freaking out. The problem is the designer who did the program said, hmm, the network will never fail. Right. And so when they told the programmer to write the program, the programmer said, well, hey, it failed. What do I do? Oh, I'll freak out. No one told me what to do. And so something that we ideally people should do is think about how their network 
ought to display network errors. So we're talking about trapping and handling exceptions of specific types? Exactly. And it's, and it's like I, my connection failed. Mm -hmm. I tried to do a read, but hey, it couldn't read anything. Or I'm connected to the internet, but I'm not connected to the server, right. this and, particular service. And indeed, that, that's something that's critical with all mm -hmm. networking. Uh, you go into a, 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 a hotel or a coffee shop or an airplane. It, they almost always say you're connected, but what are you connected to? <laughs> oh, and, and it's actually worse than yeah. that. Um, um, you, you, you do an HTTP request, and you'll actually get data back. And it says 200, okay, I got data. Mm -hmm. But it's not your server. Right. And so if you just assume it's your server and just parse it as if it were, or put it in the middle of your download, mm -hmm. you've got, you just messed up. And so you, what do you do? Just create some kind of like a ping page on your server so you can test to see if it's there? Well, in this case, uh, what I do is, is when you, when there's a name and you say connect, and when you do that, you send a name off. Mm -hmm. I actually assume you're not connected until I get a particular packet back that said that the player was accepted. Okay. That's how I'm validating my server. Okay. Because, you know, a hotel is unlikely to be carefully crafting a couple bytes here right. and there with the exact opcode on it. And it doesn't have for. to be some secure message of, of sorts. It just has to be a message that you're looking for. Exactly. Something specific. Okay. Right. Can you kind of explain, you know, what's, what is, what's the deal with them? How does this work? Well, it, it's really pretty simple. You mm -hmm. make a socket, you connect it. And I can actually show you some code if you'd like to see some code. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Let's, let's pop up. I have a... This uh, is an awesome picture, but yeah, the code might be nicer. Hey, let's, let's show up. Uh, this is, this is yeah, and it's even running and everything. And so this is my... And you know, I'm going to show a different one. I'm going to show actually the server code because I've made it a little nicer. Okay, is this the socket service? So this is the server? socket service. Okay. Um, this one isn't live because it's actually running on the service. Okay. But, but it's the same code. And not only that, but I wrote the same code for both the client and the server side. It's a lot easier that way. That sounds good. And that way the client is in Silverlight and the server is in C-sharp in the desktop right. version. And so what you do is you, is, is you make your socket, and that's straightforward. You just make a socket. And you tell it, please connect. And once you connect, you can then start reading. And the, on read, here we go, you tell it, hey, I want to go in this case. And so I'm going to make a socket async event args. I'm going to tell it that when you read, on, on a read completion, call that function there. Okay. And it's going to have a buffer, and it knows when to do stuff. Now, you call receive async. Now, it turns out that receive async might call your routine, and maybe it won't. Okay. And what it depends on is, are the bytes already there? If the bytes are already there, it just, boom, returns them to you. It doesn't bother calling the routine. So then I say, oh, by the way, there's a do on do read, which actually does my stuff. So that forces to always call your routine then? It always then calls my routine, okay. exactly. And so this is the on-read routine that the system is going to call and mm -hmm. when it gets a completion. And it says, oh, call my routine, the on-do-read. Uh, now, now, to do sockets, is there an interface you have to implement for the class to, to get these uh, methods into there? Uh, no, no, no. These are, uh, these are all my own methods. Okay. So, so what I'm doing is I made my socket and I made this, this async uh, argument okay. class. And that's what is sort of the glue that, that binds the socket code with my code. So the socket async event args is your event arguments. It's, I made an instance uh, of it, okay. but of course the class right, is, the is class made. class Right. Gotcha. Just clarifying, yep. Yeah. And then once we actually do a read, now mm -hmm. one of the interesting things about sockets is that overwhelmingly when I see people writing code, they actually have these self-contained messages and there's a little header, and there's a length, and there's an opcode, and there's data, and it's different messages under different circumstances. Right. Like in the game, uh, there's a click message, mm -hmm. and there's a 
picture method. Pretty much every action that you Every action has a different message, exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a begin player score, and an end player score, and mm -hmm. a player score, and so you can fill in the dialogue box and stuff. Well, so the problem, though, is that we think of them as discrete messages. That's not what's on the wire. Right. Because we use TCP IP. TCP IP is a stream protocol. You just put bytes in, you get bytes out. It divides it internally into messages when it goes through the routers and Wi-Fi and switches and all that. But it gets to divide it up however it likes. Mm -hmm. And indeed, uh, there's uh, debugger tools even available that, that will take your messages and give them to you one byte at a time. Sure. And which, which is very handy for making sure that everything's working the way it's supposed to, which means that when you get an on-read, it's not the beginning of a message, it's not a complete message. It's parts of messages, and it's right. up to us to glue it back together. So how do you do that gluing part? Because you're not sure where you are on the message. Well, so, so I have a little state machine, basically. Okay. It's not quite the way. Uh, the first thing I do is I say, how many bytes were transferred? If it turns out if there's zero bytes transferred, it means the socket got closed on me. Okay. The other end closed, I pulled my Ethernet, I flipped off my Wi-Fi, whatever, but the socket's not there anymore. And that's when you're going to synthesize that get out, the player exited. Command. Exactly, gotcha. right. So, so that way the upper layers can find out, oh, oh player exited. Sure. And then what I do is I simply take the, the data that came in, it's in a buffer, and whack it into, the, into my own static buffer, basically. Sure. And all it just gets copied in. If, it, if the buffer is big enough, at least 12 bytes long in this case, mm -hmm. I know I have at least the beginnings of a header. Okay. I don't know I have a whole header, but I have at least the beginnings of a header. I have enough that I can start figuring out what's going on. At which point, I read in. In this case, I've defined that a, a command, a message that's coming in, has a header length mm -hmm. and a data length and an opcode. Right, and so the header, the header is information about the message, the data is what con is contained in the message, I'm assuming, and the opcode is what is the type of message. Exactly. Example. In the case of like a click, for example, mm -hmm. I actually put the X and Y values into the header. Right. It's just more convenient that way. The data is more for things like it's a player name or it's a picture. Sure. Big blobs of data. So I just simply pull it in. I read in what the header length is and the data length is. And that way, that tells me the total length of the message that I'm expecting to receive. Okay. If I have that much data, golden. I got something I can do something with. Mm -hmm. If I don't have that much, then I can't do anything more and I just keep so on So how going. do you know how much data is something you need to act upon? Oh, because I told it. Okay. Be because when I construct these objects and send them over the wire, I make sure that all these length values are correct. Gotcha. So you're looking for a specific size of the message before you can actually take action. Exactly. Okay. Right. I've, I, so so, so the, the header length plus the data length is in a, defines exactly how many bytes one whole right. message And that's your total length. Gotcha. And that's the total length, exactly. Okay. And that's... And this and is just one way to, to, to accomplish this, but the whole point is it's what we're really getting at is when you send a message to or from the server, you need to be able to have a, an agreement, a contract in some yes. say, a fuzzy contract saying, <laughs> on the client, I'm going to send something and it's got to be at least this size or it's got to have these words in it or something. Exactly. So the server-side service can then say, yes, this is when I need to take action. Right. Otherwise, every time you receive data, you'd be doing something and that may not be appropriate. Exactly. Okay. And, and, it's kind of, and if you think about it, HTTP, you know, how we do gets and puts is the same way. Yep. Only there it's more stream oriented. And right. you look for bytes and you look for each, you know, uh, opcodes and posts and headers and sure. they'll have carriage returns and you read forward until you see a carriage return or a line feed or a carriage return line feed or a right, right, right. to handle everything. Okay, cool. So you also mentioned, we talked a little about the code here, we also mentioned that uh, there's some great debugging. 
tools that are out there. So there's some, there's like Netmon, there's Fiddler. Which ones do you use? I actually tend to use whatever's on the system I'm, I'm, has been installed, uh, which tends to be like a Fiddler is mm -hmm. what I've been using more recently. Um, I also have a tendency to just essentially run two versions of Visual Studio simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I, there's two of them here, right? You, I started off with the client and then I went over to the server. Right. So I can actually step through the client and then, you know, step, 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 step. That's step, a good step. point. How do you debug these things? You run the client and server in the same machine. And technically you don't have to. If you have two desktops yeah. and it's networked, you could actually simulate going across the network. That's right. Which would avoid one of the issues we had when we were actually setting this up of checking to make sure you're on the, you know, there's no firewall or anything else right. between yeah. you. Yes. Some things will happen on a laptop. Uh, sorry, over a network that won't happen on a single laptop. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, this is all good information. Uh, you anything else? Any other tips you want to share with the audience? Um, so the, one of the biggest tips is, is be a little bit careful about how much data you send. So how much is too much? It depends, doesn't it? It depends on your system. <laughs> we love system. saying that. It yes. depends. So in my code here, for example, I actually started off just sending the the images whole. Mm -hmm. In fact, not just whole, but but in fact uncompressed. It's okay. 32 bits for every pixel on the screen. Red, green, blue, and then the uh, pre-multiplied alpha value. Mm -hmm. That worked great as long as I was just doing the loopback. That is, this client server on the same machine. Right. Boy, that was fast enough. But once you hooked into another machine. Boy, that was painfully slow. I said, this isn't even working. Why isn't my code working? So how did you solve that? Because you still, if you still wanted to send the image, how would you solve that? Well, in this case, because my images are all black and white, I just did a 32 to 1 compression of one pixel on the screen becomes one bit. Right, because it's one so, color or the other. Right. And that speeded up perfectly well. And, and you played it. You did worked fairly well. And you're even running over Wi-Fi, as am yes. I, for that matter. Yes, yes. As a final wrap-up, Peter, I just want to thank you for, for coming on here. Sure, thank and you. And for sharing all this. Yeah. I'm going to go play the game, and I'm so glad I'm winning. And I'm so glad that yeah, my score not was not my long. age. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> thank you all for watching Silverlight TV.